The gospel reading for this morning comes from John's Gospel, beginning in the 18th chapter at the 33rd verse. John wrote these things. Pilate went back into the palace and called for Jesus. He said, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own? Or did others tell you this about me? And Pilate said, do I look like a Jew? Your people and your high priest turn you over to me. What did you do? My kingdom, said Jesus, doesn't consist of what you see around you. If it did, my followers would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But I'm not that kind of king, not the world's kind of king. And then Pilate said, so are you a king? or not? And Jesus answered, you tell me. Because I am king, I was born and entered the world so that I could witness to the truth. And everyone who cares for truth, who has any feeling for the truth, recognizes my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? And then he went back out to the Jews and told them, I find nothing wrong in this man. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty, creating, ever-loving God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Open our ears, our hearts, our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. In his book, Wake Up America, Tony Campolo tells of addressing the Southern Baptist Convention some years ago. They were having quite a ruckus at the time over the inerrancy of the Bible. The super conservatives were insisting on inerrancy. The just plain conservatives were advocating a more moderate position. And it had developed into a huge fight a civil war, if you will. And when he addressed the warring factions at the convention, Campolo said, and I quote, I don't know why you're worrying so much about the inerrancy of scripture. After you prove that it's inerrant, you're not going to do what it says anyway. Campolo tells that story, and then he says it's true. If you're supposed to be a pacifist, if you're supposed to give your money to the poor, you're not going to do all this stuff. Wouldn't it be better if you agreed that the Bible didn't speak the truth all the time, and then maybe you could get out of some of these obligations? You know, folks, it is hard, it is really hard to do what Jesus wants us to do. And our question for this morning really is, what is truth? 
in England with cars becoming numerous enough to begin to pose a threat to pedestrians, someone came up with the idea of making crosswalks on which people could safely cross from one side of the street to the other. White stripes were painted on the streets and black and white striped posts with an orange ball on top were erected to mark these crosswalks both for pedestrians and drivers. Well, one day, soon after the first crosswalks were completed, King George and Queen Mary noticed them as they were being driven through London. And they decided to try one out. Pull over to the curb and park for a minute, the king ordered his chauffeur. I want to see how these new crosswalks work. So the chauffeur stopped the car, and the king, without looking to see if anything was coming, stepped onto the street and began to cross. And a car was racing down the street toward him, and the driver slammed on the brakes and came to a screeching halt just inches away from the startled monarch. What are you doing, you stupid, crazy idiot, yelled the driver. Don't you know that you're supposed to look both ways before you cross the road? And then with the grinding of the gears, he sped on his way. Well, when the king returned to his own car, he complained to the queen. He said, I've never been spoken to like that before. Didn't that man know who I am? Oh, I'm sure he didn't, she soothed or he would have been more courteous. You see, dear, most people don't expect to see the king crossing the street wearing ordinary clothes. They know you only by your pictures, in which you're clothed in robes and wearing a crown. And folks, on Christ the King Sunday, here stands Jesus in the middle of the crosswalk, in the headquarters of the Roman prefect, confronted by an angry driver, Pontius Pilate. You see, immediately before this, Pilate has stepped outside to meet with Jesus' priestly accusers. And by doing this and reluctantly agreeing to hear Jesus' case, and now launching a formal inquiry into the charges brought against Jesus, Pilate is dealing as swiftly as he possibly can with a potentially disruptive situation. So finally facing Jesus, Pilate begins his formal search for the truth of what has been said and done. Are you the king of the Jews? Now if Jesus would claim kingship, then Pilate's job is done. It would constitute treason against the Roman emperor, an instant death sentence. And Jesus asks, do you ask this on your own? And it challenges Pilate's personal knowledge of Jesus and of the charges that have been leveled against him. It suggests that Pilate only knows what he knows because others tell them, tell him about Jesus. And Jesus reminds Pilate that he has no evidence except hearsay, evidence of priests. So Pilate back says, well, I'm not a Jew, am I? As a public official, a political leader, an important Roman citizen, Pilate has no reason to wallow in the concerns of the bothersome, insignificant Jewish inhabitants of his land. He can only ask, 
What did you do? And Jesus answers by talking about his kingdom. Not from this world, he says. It's not from here. And as proof, he points out that he has no soldiers, no armies, no lawyers that are fighting for his freedom. Jesus defines his kingdom. It is not what the Jews were expecting. A Davidicus Messiah that would become a warrior king and who would violently restore the holy kingdom of Israel. But in John's Gospel, he's more of a Mosaic Messiah. One who will lead his people to a new kingdom, not created by military might, but by a nation wholly dependent on God for its existence. It is indeed a kingdom not from this world. So Pilate says, well, are you a king or not? And Jesus said, you tell me. And then he goes on to speak of the truth, to which Pilate responds, what is truth? And if we are willing to tell the truth, we know Pilate. We are Pilate. In one way or another, we, each of us, are Pontius Pilate. And then one day they bring us this person, Jesus, whom they want us to kill. He's disturbing the peace. He's promoting rebellion. He's changing the establishment. He is blaspheming. And he stands before us in peasant clothes. And we ask him what his story is. And he says, for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. And we say to him, what is truth? What is truth, we say, Pilate says. And Jesus doesn't answer. He just stands there and we listen. Because all listening, folks, if we are really listening, is about seeking out truth. And if we really want truth, we listen to every voice every voice. But finally, when we have listened and listened and are still listening, Jesus is silent because just perhaps truth is finally inside of us. When all else is said and done, we need to listen to that still, small voice that speaks deep within ourselves. There is another thing that Jesus and Pilate teach us about listening for the truth. Truth always takes us toward the cross. It always takes us to a way of dying to self. And this encounter reminds us once again that Jesus came to show us the way. And that if we listen, the voice of truth, the voice of Jesus still speaks inside of us. He knocks on the door of our hearts. He invites us to walk with him on the way of the cross, which at the very same time is the way of resurrection. Because you see, in the end, Jesus is our truth.
And if we hold to him, if we listen to him because he is truth, we will not use our religion to exclude others because he did not. Because Jesus is our truth, we won't use our religion to judge others because he did not. Because he is our truth, we will do everything we can to forgive and accept and extend compassion to our neighbors because Jesus did and told us to. And because Jesus is the truth, we can never, ever arrogantly proclaim that our truth is the whole truth, the only truth, and nothing but the truth because he did not, because he told us that he had sheep that are not in his fold. Jesus is our truth, and we follow him by faith and not by sight. And that faith has the power of pulling back a curtain to expose something, showing the difference between illusion and reality. It helps to pull back the veil and to show something that we haven't been able to see. Folks, we face many false ideas and prophets. Abundant life is not about more toys, more and more stuff. It is about recognizing and following our king. It is the power of a king who uses persuasive love to bring us out of ourselves and into a bit more wholeness. It is a call to use the power of love, nonviolent love, to change the world. It means risking. It means challenging sacred cows and worldly powers sometimes. It means that a church can transform its belief systems. We may say that this is the end of the world as we know it, but we can look beyond the way we have always done things and insist that we are called as God's people never to give up on helping to realize more of the kingdom of God in our time and place, because I tell you this morning, God is never going to give up, and neither should we. Amen.